have a mom, she might be the bomb But ain't nobody got a mom like mine Her love's till the end, she's my best friend Ain't nobody got a mom like mine <laughs> Welcome to Teaching My Mother ABA Where we put a unique spin on teaching ABA By using pop cultural references and real life stories So sit back, relax, and enjoy the shit show we call life All right, so this week our pop cultural reference is, and I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I have no idea what to do. And on that note, we are welcoming our guest this week, Kelly Robin. Yay. Hey everyone, I'm Kelly. Woohoo, I'm here. <laughs> Um, my name is Kelly. I am a BCBA and I can't give too many details so I don't ruin anything later, but I am a mom of two, a BCBA, an Air Force wife, and um, lots of other fun stuff about me we'll continue learning about later on. Yeah. So Kelly is the other part of our leadership team for our business, KNOW. And so it's been interesting because her and Britt were friends prior to being in business with us. And the best part is like, I met Kelly for the first time in Florida at a conference where I was the grand nanny and Kelly, I didn't know. I, I knew she ran like marathons and like was really into fitness, but she's like, Hey, there's a really cool place. I want to check out. Let's walk there. And I'm like, okay, I'm not like middle age and 15 pounds overweight. And it is Miami, Florida in February. So I'm like, sure, that sounds like a really good idea. Three miles later, I am like, who is this person? Why are you friends with her, Brit? And what <laughs> we still have to walk back. In my defense, it was three miles round trip, not three miles one way. There's a big difference yeah. when you think of it that way. It felt she, like I swear. Mm -mm. It was so I much swear longer. every time she tells the story, she adds another mile on the actual story. What about having to cross Miami oh, yeah. traffic <laughs> without a crosswalk or a light? Like a with stroller, a kid in a, a stroller. A yeah, no. So that was Kelly and I's first meeting. Uh, and then... It's an up there, though. We... <laughs> you start out at one expectation you can only go up right <laughs> that's right I don't know the driving the driving in yeah. Miami oh my gosh that wasn't my fault that was Miami's fault sorry Miami <laughs> anybody from there um but Miami traffic oh my gosh I've never seen anything like that before yeah it was it was a good time so the best part is though anytime that we're like, okay, what did we get into? It's like, okay, let's remember Miami. This is where we came from. This is where we started. We kind of yeah. already know. Uh, when we started KNOW, we did a KNOW retreat where everyone came to my house and we spent, what, And by days? everyone, she means me, Kelly, and our children. <laughs> a bunch of kids. <laughs> I felt like there was a bunch of kids and there was only three, but yeah, it was good. It was good. So- Okay, right. let's catch up with where we are, Doctor Britt and I. So, Britt, you go first, so I can, <laughs> so I can make my response accordingly. Oh yeah. So today I woke up in a mood <laughs> that we call a dark day. Um, so I have really bad anxiety and depression, and I decided for two days straight not to take my medicine. 
And so I woke up today and all I have to do is message and say, I think it's a dark day. And schedules get rearranged, meetings get moved. Um, But today I'm having a dark day, which is why Anissa is doing a lot more of the talking than she usually does. (laughs) But um, we're getting there. We're getting getting through it. So the dark days, the good thing about our company and the group of women that we surround ourselves in is that at any point, if something happens, I think between everyone in leadership, everyone on the staff in the last year has had like what I would consider a major life altering (laughs) thing, whether it's good or bad, like it, it, it. And so we've been able to like pick up where the others can't necessarily pick up. So Kelly yeah. had had the nerve of having a child um, <laughs> in between all of this. How dare I have a child? <laughs> yeah. But it was nice because, you know, we we were able to help through that. We've had deaths. We've had severe illnesses. We've had just dark days. And so... Um, It's just a reminder to like surround yourself with people that can support you. And so it's a little deep, but. (laughs) Well, no, it is. And what kind of was leading up to this one that I'm having kind of today. And usually my dark days, I don't talk to anyone, but because I love you all and want (laughs) you to grow. um, I am soldiering through as we say, but I had a, on Saturday, I had a major panic attack in Walmart with my youngest child. And anyone who has social anxiety, anxiety, panic attacks know that it is so hard to bring yourself out of one when you're in the middle of that situation. Plus being a mom that is responsible for the child. And then I had to go to a birthday party because I didn't want my kids to miss out on a birthday party. So that was an overwhelming situation. And then Sunday was seemingly going to be an okay day. And then we decided to, and by we, I mean one of my children, to bring home some lice. So my entire house got a huge cleaning um, and everyone got treated and the boys got their heads shaved. Uh, But that kind of is what led up to today. And this week, this coming week, I think we have two people out for last minute emergency family situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So getting all of all of that together. So that's why I picked like our pop culture references. I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. So like as professionals, especially in behavior, like we know what you should do. Yes. But when you're in a situation where it becomes like real life, it's harder to know what to do. And as you can see, those that are watching Kelly, this is the other great <laughs> thing about our jobs is like, we're very family oriented. So um, one of our youngest K now employees is enjoining us in Lucas. So he is you, no you child labor. Not really no. an <laughs> he will be reimbursed. Yeah, he will be reimbursed accordingly. So just yeah. Um, support those around you. And again, just because we're behavior analysts and we understand behavior doesn't mean we always know what to do in those situations. Yes. Or we do and we don't listen. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. 
So let's go to our next segment of It's All Relative, where we see how well I know my mom and how well she knows me. But today we're going to put a little spin on it. So because we have the three founding members of K now, we are going to see how well our exec team knows each other. So we're going to do questions from one of us and (laughs) the other two have to answer them. So okay. if you you gonna need to get your whiteboard, or do not. I have? Oh, you don't have shoot. to have it. I know. I, I didn't. And I didn't tell Kelly. She's gonna be mad. She wasn't prepared. I know. I feel so unprepared because I have whiteboards too that I can use. Got it. <laughs> oh man, can I scramble uh, around my house for a minute? Yes. Kelly's also our organized person. Uh, myself and Anissa, mom, we are organized chaos. I know where everything is, but it's just not uh-huh. what other people would call sure you, organized. Sure you do. Mm-hmm. So I do. Okay. Um, okay. So let's jump in. I'm going to ask about me first. Okay. All right. So where did I go to college? Hmm. I do feel like we need Jeopardy theme music. music. I know. <laughs> I'm still writing. Do I get extra points for being fast? Or she's writing Maybe. more than me. Okay, okay Kelly says Capella and what else? The Chicago, the Chicago school. school. Okay. Oh, whoops. That isn't the right word. <clears throat> Would you like to read mine? And this is, says Simpson, ILCC, UNI, Capella, University of Chicago. So I don't think I went. I didn't go to ILCC. Did I? Uh, yeah, when you had your knee replaced, you had oh. to take a class at Iowa Lakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thank you very much. I didn't know that. Yes. So I think I talked about this in my first <laughs> self-deprecating, but I went to a lot of different colleges before I found my path and, <laughs> and decided where I wanted to go. <laughs> okay. All right. The next one is, when did I start working in the ABA field? So year, age, anything. Okay. What'd she put? Okay. I don't know. Kelly put. I put Kelly in a group. You say yours. In okay. a group home, maybe 2012. Okay. I put, okay, when you were at you and I, and it was a group home, and I put 2010 because I have no idea. Yep. So it was in Iowa that I actually started in the ABA field, and I think it was 2008, 2009. Oh. 2009, yeah. Blur. Yes, so I started an ABA before I even knew I was an ABA. <laughs> it was bad ABA. Um, all right, what year did I become a BCBA? Oh, I know that one. I haven't. I... I'm trying to fold my paper for easy reading, but I probably should have gotten a marker for easy reading instead. Well, and you can say it out loud for our, co- oh, our listeners. Oh, 2015. Oh, yeah, I said 2012. I have no idea. 2015. So I got married in 2015. 12 right i don't 11 yes, so it was the did. year i was pregnant with cash when i oh, took okay. my test so 2015 that's how i remember it too um okay what year did i become a bcba d i know that one too <laughs> what kelly put 
2019. 2019. I put when the he was born. So apparently yes. I have no time. Like I can't. Years it all bl- when you get to a certain age, <laughs> years all blend together. Yeah. So I rem- so I got them when I was pregnant with each one. Uh with Hugh, I managed to mm-hmm. defend my dissertation on a Monday, go pick up my husband from the airport because he was on his year tour on Monday night, and then I had Hugh on Wednesday. So it was that's a good time. Good time. Everything is marked that way. All right. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Well, how many did I get right? You're keeping track, right? We're not keeping track of this one because it was both <gasps> of you. What? Okay. That's none. Fine. You got none right. <sighs> okay. Ready? Where did yeah. I go to where did I go to college? Are we writing it down or are we saying it out loud? Because I can also raise my hand and just <laughs> We can say it out loud. Say it, it out loud. Okay. Capella. Brit? Yeah. So Capella and ILCC. No. I went to I went to Spencer School of Business oh, in, 19, there we go. I knew it was in 1990 when I graduated from high school. I have my two-year <laughs> accounting specialist. <laughs> I was going to say, I know you had your accounting, but I can't remember. And that college, college, I'm using air quotes, is no longer in business. And when you go to get your transcripts from a college that does not exist, like it's a whole big production. So It's a driver's license station now, right? Yeah. Is that where? Yeah. Okay. So I remember what it looks like. (laughs) Okay. When did I start working in the field of ABA? 2020. (laughs) Yeah. I say 2020 and then you started your coursework. Was that the end of 2020 or the... Yeah. I started my coursework last year. It was last... No, 2021. 2021. Because you... Yeah. Yeah. It was right after you... I did my OBM certificate or pre whatever FIT calls that. So I do have my OBM. That was like my first ABA coursework. Um, so yeah, I mean, K now ABA. I think I was always doing ABA, just not officially working. What year did I receive my doctorate? 2021. 2021. Found it laying in a pile of mud at the end of my driveway when we pulled in from found out we were moving from one state to another state and my diploma came in the middle like why we were moving so how many degrees do I have three I I would say I was gonna say yes four but four yes Kelly is right because I have you can't discount my two-year accounting specialist degree thank you very much oh I forgot your bachelor's that's the one I forgot that bachelor's master's and doctorate yeah I was doing the degree the certificate the master's (laughs) and the B yeah I didn't realize I wanted to have so many degrees but apparently I do okay all right Kelly Kelly Oh, okay. So how well do you guys know me? <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm doing a dance for anybody that can't hear. <laughs> trying to do a dance with the kid on my lap. Um, where did I go to college? Somewhere in Florida. The Seminoles. <laughs> down a lot. Oh, Seminoles. The there Seminoles we go. That's a good one. And FSU? No, Seminoles are FSU. <laughs> okay, so there you go. And then okay. is that where you <laughs> got your BCB, your second? Your nope. BCBA? Nope. I, I went through oh. West Florida for my Oh, BCBA. there we go. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. just know it's Florida because I accidentally bought a print of a <laughs> of an arena that I thought was Kansas City Chiefs, but it really was the Seminoles. Florida State Seminoles. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's hanging up nicely on my I know, right now. and I so and I kept it so for long. a year, a year to give to you in person. Okay. It means a lot to me. I value it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um when did I start working in the ABA field? I'm guessing 2014. That was going to be my guess too. I can't remember. Yeah, that's exactly. Correct. Yep. Yep. The the summer that Dr. Farley started peer pressuring me into <laughs> trying it out. <laughs> no idea what you mean. There's a whole group of us no that idea. she's done that too. Okay. Yeah, she peer pressures a lot. Yeah. Usually it's for the better, not worse though. Mm-hmm. Um, what year did I become a BCBA? Uh, 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. You're about to hit your five year. Yep. Yep. Come August will be my five years. Woohoo. Nice. Uh, Final question. How many master, master degrees do I have? Two. Two. Yep. Public (laughs) health. (laughs) So how do we know Kelly more better than we know each other? I know, right? You guys got all my questions correct. I know. It's maybe we listen to Kelly and we don't listen to yeah, one another. There's probably right. a whole there's a whole issue on that right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Now it's time to go to class and learn something. So I I think the next set of concepts we need to go over are token economy and group contingencies. Again, I usually take like from class that I'm going to. um, So we've had a couple of conversations with different behavior analysts about token economies and this love hate relationship, which I didn't even realize existed. So uh, a lot of BCBAs, behavior analysts, either love them, hate them, use them, don't use them, have all this pro-con list about token economies. So I want to know a little bit more about token economies and then group contingencies and how that all kind of plays together. Perfect. All right. So what I'm going to do is define before we jump in. So token economy is... A contingency-based procedure developed to aid in the reduction of maladaptive behavior and increased desired behaviors through the deliverance of a tangible conditioned reinforcer. Hmm. Makes sense, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to need that. (laughs) You need some layman terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So really it is a contingency in which we exchange some type of token to receive a reinforcement. So a token is delivered and then those are exchanged to receive that conditioned reinforcer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, So we're also going to talk about group contingency, but let's talk about token economy for a minute. Okay. So The token economy, the article that I found to read was um, Hackenberg, 2009, Token Reinforcement, a Review and Analysis. Um, So one thing I found really interesting about this article was when it talks about 
the type of research that was conducted and collected, they only look at, so the goal is um, identify gaps in research. So the gaps in the research for token economy and then highlight the promising research directions to use those token schedules. They don't talk about fading out the token schedule. So I'm one of those BCBAs that I'm not a big fan of using token economies because you have to put something in the environment and then mm-hmm. you have to systematically fade that out. But usually there's there's no fade out and it's hard to kind of keep that preferred or contingent contingently appropriate behavior happening when you fade out the token economy. So, and that's why I picked token economies for when Kelly was on too, because Kelly loves token economies, right? Kelly, you're on that kind of that side. I do. I do like them. I mean, I definitely see that every intervention um, could potentially have the downsides, but I do like token economies because it gives you that visual um, ability to see kind of what you're doing and what you're working for as you're trying Mm -hmm. to earn that um, condition reinforcer. Yeah. And I get the visual. So using a token economy as a visual prompt, I think is a little different. But I also have ran into so many uh, BCBAs who are above me or my supervisors that just immediately would implemented a token economy without trying like a fixed interval or a mm-hmm. variable uh, or a fixed ratio or variable ratio before they implemented put in the token economy. Well, so it was really funny because the first time that I was thinking of using a token economy and my supervisor, who is not Kelly or Britt, uh, for my coursework, just so that we make sure we're following all ethical standards. um, She's like, okay, so you want to use a token economy. Here are the, it felt like 15 things. As you know, I like exaggerate everything, but like, here's the 15 things you have to do and you have to look at before you can even implement a token economy. It's not just you have, oh, I'm working for access to the playground. And if I do these things five times, I get a sticker every time I do it. And then there's your token economy. Like that's not how it works. It's not this really simple concept that we're just going to put in place all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think people miss or beats anybody who implements one because it doesn't just have to be BCBAs. They miss the concept of the token itself is not reinforcing Mm -hmm. or not necessarily reinforcing. So when I go talk to schools, I have a presentation that um, called Not Everyone Wants a Sticker. And it's about how that token has to be conditioned or has to be paired with that reinforcement, which is also why my other pet peeve about token economies is when they the individual gets all their tokens. So say they got five tokens, usually the behavior tech or BCBA, they just hand them their reinforcement mm-hmm. instead of exchanging the tokens for reinforcement. So that they're missing that exchange of, okay, here's my tokens I earned. Now can I have my preferred item? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was actually just on a meeting earlier this morning about with a teacher and they were talking about how they have it. They weren't calling it a token economy, but it was a token economy. And they're like, well, the client doesn't understand it, but we still do it anyway. 
And so there wasn't any procedures to try and help him understand what was going on. And so that is definitely one of my things that I'm glad that your supervisor uh, told you all the different steps that you have to do, because it is not just a put in this token economy. There is a right. huge process that you have to go through to try and teach the concept of it for it to be effective. Yeah. And I think that was the the thing about what's different between when you do it in your home for your own mm-hmm. child versus when you're doing it in a professional setting. And again, I think that's the other part that's hard for pairing together that I probably have done token economies in the past for my own kids, but did I really do it in a way that's behavioral? Probably not. I think I said, I'm going to do this. So the other thing about token economies is the taking away and the giving of tokens. So I know there's this whole, I was listening to another podcast that was like, I, we don't like token economies because there are um, therapists that take away a token. So what are, what, like, how do you feel about the taking away of a token that's been earned? So I have a specific way that I, I do it. So if I'm using a response cost, which is taking away that token, they have a chance to earn that back because mm-hmm. a lot of the programs are, okay, you, you have to earn four stickers, but because of the response ca- cost, we took two of them away. Well, in that interval or that time space, they're not going to get their reinforcement because they already lost too many tokens. So I, whenever I use a response cost, I always they always have a chance to earn it back when they okay. do it. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, I would say I, I mean, as most ABA things, I try not to have a response cost in there if I don't have to, because we want that reinforcement to be the primary thing that we work on. And so it, I always make sure that we teach the token economy as just that reinforcement side of it without that response cost. Um, in there. And if we determine later on that there needs to be this, that little added component of that response cost, then I do, I agree with, uh, Dr. B that we need to make sure that we have, um, the ability to earn a back component with it. Good. So let's talk about group contingency now. All right. So group contingencies Mm -hmm. are (laughs) behavior management (laughs) protocol where, that access to the single consequence is based on either the group as a whole, the inner and one individual in the group or your specific behavior. So there's interdependent, independent, independent. So within your interdependent, it means that all members of that group need to meet that contingency. Independent means that everyone uh, everyone has the same contingencies, but it's just based on you yourself. And then dependent is where it's based on one individual or a group of individual to earn that reinforcement. Okay. So... In a setting, so like this would be more, you would use a group contingency in a classroom or in a clinic during like a group play or peer play because you can't do a group contingency when you're doing one-on-one therapy. Correct? Correct. No. 
So, yeah. So, like, so I teach. And last mm-hmm. night I was teaching. And I set up a group contingency that if at least five people shared out using their microphones, because they don't have to. That would be my youngest son. He's trying to earn a popsicle. Um, <laughs> uh, so I said in the beginning of class that if five people use their microphones, because you don't have to use your microphone, you can just chat through the chat box, then everyone who attended that class did not have to do a discussion response. Oh. Um, so I use that when I'm teaching a lot because it it's that group reinforcement that's happening. So it's not really punitive in nature. So nothing is taken mm-hmm. away. So it's not yeah. negative reinforcement, negative punishment. We just talked about this. So it would be not <laughs> negative reinforcement. So it just wouldn't be delivered if yeah. they didn't they didn't need it. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly, have you used group contingencies in like the clinic setting or? Of course you asked me about the clinic setting because every time I think about group contingencies, I think about classrooms and schools Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that setting. And so my brain is definitely down that path. And I can think of several examples. Um, I have seen in a clinic or in one of the clinics that I've been with where we've done a group contingency and it was a interdependent group contingency used during group setting so like a calendar setting where they they earned marbles in a marble jar Mm -hmm. for having good behavior and um, answering questions during that group setting and once the marble jar filled up they got to earn a pizza party okay so it is a good so in layman's terms the token economy is really you get uh, some kind of token which it could be a sticker it could be a marble it could be something that is meaningful to the person for their reinforcement um, on a good behavior. And a group contingency is really a protocol where there is either a reward or an aversive situation based on the entire group, that it's not that individual, um, that individual reinforcement yeah Yeah. it's it yeah you're looking with the group contingency you're looking at a more than just one right one individual client and token economy so can you do it so does it become a group contingency if you're doing you can only do a token economy for one individual yeah so well the token economy is set up to be on that one individual Mm -hmm. thing and anytime you add in more clients you're going to have to add more of that group contingency are they both earning it together each of them earning it separately yeah um Okay. And that, that makes sense. Yeah. So they're along the same vein on that. Okay. So the next part is where we share personal stories and then uh, get a little feedback on what exactly, uh, how this fits into token economy or group contingency. So Kelly, because you are the guest, we will have you go first. Woohoo. I'm excited. Okay. So as I mentioned before, Uh, When talking about group contingencies, I always think about classrooms and schools first. Um, My first personal story was back when I was in fifth grade. Um, I remember my teacher had a group contingency set up where each day that the entire class would turn in their homework completed. So every single student in the entire class had to have their homework completed and turn it in. Um, She would put a letter on the board. When the whole class had all the letters to spell out the word donut, 
a long version, not the D-O-N-U-T. <laughs> we would earn a party and have donuts. Okay. So yep. that is a way a lot of teachers use that group contingency. And I like that because it's not like you're taking away something from the group if the entire group doesn't do what they need to do. And is yeah. that how most group contingencies do you believe should run um, or? So that one was an interdependent. So all members had to meet that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so there's an article on reducing adolescent cell phone usage using an interdependent group contingency um, by Jones and colleagues in 2019. And what was one of the really interesting takeaways in that article is that the peers would help each other or mm-hmm. hold each other's phones so that they didn't use them. Um, oh. So it is a way for teamwork to happen um, or encouragement or things like that. But on the opposite end, it can also be negative if one person doesn't turn in that homework on time or uh, – so something funny about myself and my mom is we had the same basketball coach <laughs> growing up. Um, and when I was in basketball, he was using the same technique. So he had an inter- interdependent group contingency that we everyone had to make two free throws or you would run mm-hmm. and have to start over. And you had to get to a certain number. Like I don't remember what yes. the number was. Like you had to get to 20 or whatever. As a group. So ours was each person Mm -hmm. had to do it together. So if one person missed, everyone had to run and there had to, we had to start (laughs) over. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that was so that we were talking about that. I'm like the heart palpitations that would happen at the free throw line when it was your turn to shoot. Like you could make a free throw every time you were at the line until that. And then it would just be, oh my God, you're palms would be sweaty. It was horrible. So that's why group contingencies are not my favorite. Now that I like thought back to that, I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Why I don't like them (laughs) having free throw flashbacks. So yeah. So the interesting thing was, so I follow a lot of like different groups and things like that. And someone, um, I have, I follow educational groups, not just behavioral groups. So there was, Uh, someone asking for help about a certain situation that they had incurred. I can't remember if they were the parent or the teacher or however that worked, but there was a a student with special needs and they didn't say what special needs it were, but they did not stay seated in class. And so they, the teacher decided to focus on that student's behavior uh, and that she gave the class a reward if they could keep the student engaged and keep her in her seat. And the reward was a field trip, but they would only get that if they met that group contingent, like everyone stays seated, focused on that one student. And if they didn't stay seated, then they wouldn't get the field trip. And I'm like, that did not seem successful to me, like as the student. So what are your thoughts on a, a group contingency like that? So that I, would be a I dependent. Okay. Yeah, the dependent, yeah. the hero um, mm-hmm. concept. I personally don't like that 
type of um, mm-hmm. one, and with especially with a field trip, because that's something that it's is huge. like gold. <laughs> when you're in school, a field trip is gold. You're like, yes, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go to class. <laughs> and to put it all on one child that is showing those difficulties staying seated in class, I feel like that just really is going to make the classmates resent her if they're not able to right. earn that field trip. Yeah, that would be me saying like – myself or mom saying, okay, you only get paid this week if so-and-so meets her billable hours. Yeah. I'm like, I I feel like that was just setting, there were so many things that that could be a precursor to. Um, They don't say, they say she has special needs, but they don't say what type. So uh, those children, are they going to, (laughs) these are going to be like this bias on people with that certain special need because they'll remember back to like when they were in school and that they lost their field trip because of that child. So I definitely think there's bad, there's ways you shouldn't do a group contingency and that would be one. So I do have a personal story about, I think this is a token economy because it really isn't group. But so one summer my um, spouse was deployed And so I took a summer job as a telemarketer, which I do love to talk, but telemarketing back in, you know, early late 1990s, early 2000s was not fun. And I sold Sports Illustrated magazine during the time that the Cleveland Browns went to the Baltimore Ravens. Like I can still remember the summer. Uh, So we would have competitions all the time. And if you sold four magazines in an hour, you got $5 in town dollars. Now this town that we were in at the time was very small. There was actually only a gas station. So these town dollars could only be used at a gas station. And my grandpa had a, he had a, uh, he had his own gas tank or his gas pump at his farm. So town dollars meant nothing to me because I got free gas at my grandpa's. I don't know if my grandpa knew it, but I did get free gas there when I was hauling my children around in a, a diesel Cadillac um, that I was borrowing from them. So uh, I didn't care if I got $5 for getting four sales, but that was what the token economy was. So, so what's wrong with that scenario? Well, I don't think I would call that a token economy. I don't know if you would, Kelly, because... You're not exchanging. There's no specific tokens involved. So, well, we got our we got a slash on the whiteboard. So, like all of our names. Sorry, there's more to the story. So, all of our names. Whoever was on that shift had their names written on the whiteboard, and then you, when you had a sale, you were supposed to like jump up and be like, "I got one," and then they would put a a tally mark on under your name, and then when you got to yeah, sorry, when you got to the four, then you got your five dollars. Okay. Um, so that would be more that would be more of the token economy. And the funny thing is I completely forgot that I was a telemarketer. At the same place. Yeah, at the same place. And they were doing the same thing. <laughs> twenty <Yes>. years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't I twenty years. I forgot 15. I was a telemarketer. Yeah. So it would have been like fifteen years later when we came we moved back to that town and um yeah. But like that's so when you talk about token economy, what do you have to have in place before you even do a token economy? Um, so you need to have the behavior, the definition, um, t- the value of the tokens, being able to pair the tokens, um, and then that fade out plan that goes with the token economy. 
there's usually also a fade in plan. So I usually start with one or two tokens because we know the more they access reinforcement, the stronger the behavior is going to be and right. the quicker it's going to develop. Um, so there's a lot of different things that have to go in place. I'm say sorry to interrupt. Did you uh, talk about the preference assessment too to determine if those tokens That's what I was like, trying to get Britt to say. See, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, it's a Kelly and, I, it's a Kelly and I have spent a lot of time talking about preference <laughs> assessments and token economies. When I brought her like my, like a whole thing, she's like, mm, do you have a preference assessment? Mm, no, I don't. <laughs> so Kelly, why talk about Fail. the preference assessment? Um, if you have a contingency in place and the client doesn't even want to work or do anything <laughs> to get that, then what's the point of having that contingency in place? Um, I always laugh if you have the whole class working for a pizza party and right. somebody or half the class has a dairy allergy, <laughs> half of them can't even eat the pizza anyway. So there's no value in having that. So always they're like, there's an, there's an adverse reaction to a pizza party for me. I can't, like, that's not good. <laughs> So um, tell us about your personal example, another one. <laughs> um, I always like to laugh about this one because, um, again, when I was growing up in my household, my parents always had a long list of chores that they had us do. And like a standard military family, we would do the chores and then we'd have an inspection. And so they'd inspect <laughs> to see if the chores were done to quality. And then we, they would sign off and I had this um, Excel spreadsheet that had signatures and the dates that they oh were completed. Gosh. And once I completed the list of chores, um, I would earn my allowance. And so it was uh, <laughs> that token economy that was signed off. The, the token in that sense was the signature. the signature. And once all the signatures were gathered, I earned the, um, the allowance, which was actually 20 bucks, which is pretty nice. But yeah, don't, your parents, don't worry. I had to do a lot of chores. <laughs> okay, <that>. so your <laughs> parents and I must have read the like same parenting book during that time because you and Britt are the same age. Only I forgot to read the part about that you get an allowance when you do your token economy. <laughs> so your token was the signature. Um, Britt and her siblings' token was you got to live in the house. <laughs> avoidance of getting yelled at <laughs> so um did you agree upon was there a preference assessment completed from your parents prior to your your token economy being set up so there wasn't a preference assessment because i had always like wanted to earn money for yeah. to go to the store and buy <laughs> certain things and so they just knew it was valuable mm -hmm. i did have to make a pro con list because the initial amount that they were offering was not worth <laughs> the effort <laughs> of all the chores so i do remember making a long pro con list about increasing my rate of allowance and so it was once they they upped it from four dollars to twenty dollars it was a much better value right because it, <laughs> it doesn't matter like $4 yeah. to you in a list of 15 chores just doesn't matter. Um, so that's yeah. a preference assessment on the magnitude of oh, okay. the reinforcer. So yeah. it might not be just that there is a reinforcer. There has to be a preference of how much that they really, you care about the reinforcer. Mm -hmm. So the free room in, of the reinforcer. Yeah. Until you get kicked out of a house, you don't realize the importance of room and board. Yeah. Well, and there's a parametric study, I can't remember who it's by, but about um, time with the iPad. 
Mm. Is it parametric? Yeah. The time with the iPad. So is the reinforcement uh, two minutes, four minutes, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, So that's one of the ways to really... Okay, we have to say goodbye to our guest. Kelly had to go um, pick up a child. So thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Thank Um, you for letting me jump on. We'll definitely have you on again. So thank you. Uh, Let's give our score. You might have a mom. She might be the bomb, but ain't nobody got a mom. All right. So it's that time where we do our end of class review. During this, Mom provides a score of one to five. One meaning I will find a different teacher. Two, you didn't yell at me. Three, it could go either way. Four, good thing I taught you well. And then five, I love learning from my daughter. So So how would you rate my teaching today? I liked, I would say this would be four. Good thing I taught you well. Because, and I think it's because you and Kelly, so Kelly was, is our guest and she had to run and pick up a kiddo because life doesn't stop for podcast recordings. Uh, You two balance each other out so well in explaining things to me because you come from different places, but you explain it well. And the funny thing about Kelly and you are, is that Kelly, you supervise Kelly. So... (laughs) Yeah, but just have very different personalities. So I think a number four, you did really well. Nice. You will never give me a five. I already know it. That's okay. <laughs> How do you know? You don't know because there's always room for improvement. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. All right. Well, that wraps wraps it up for another episode of Teaching My Mother ABA. So don't forget to head over to our Facebook and Instagram at knowledge.now.solutions and check out all the events we have coming out in May from CEUs to mentorship to curriculum development. Don't forget, you need to sign up for the Be In The Know Patreon to access some really cool freebies. And then thank you to K Now Behavioral Solutions for sponsoring Teaching My Mother ABA and for Pretty Easy Podcast for making us sound so good. And remember, it's all fun and games until you have to teach your mother ABA.